Hello, and welcome to episode 563 of the Juicebox Podcast. Today's show is with Heather. Heather is the mother of a child with type 1 diabetes. She has an amazing accent. She's a ton of fun to talk to. That is all I need to tell you. Please remember while you're listening that nothing you hear on the Juicebox podcast should be considered advice, medical or otherwise. Always consult a physician before making any changes to your healthcare plan or becoming bold with insulin. Are you a U.S. resident who has type 1 diabetes or a U.S. resident who is the caregiver of a child with type 1? If so, please go to t1dexchange.org forward slash juicebox and take a few minutes to fill out their survey. When you do, you will be helping people living with type 1 diabetes and supporting the Juicebox podcast. It's super simple to do. It's completely HIPAA compliant, 100% anonymous. The questions are not difficult. It would be a big deal if you could do that. t1dexchange.org forward slash juice box. Okay. Thank you very much. Settle in and listen as Heather and I have a right proper chat. This episode of the juice box podcast is sponsored by the contour next one blood glucose meter. Please go to contournext.com forward slash juice box. When you get there, you will learn all about Arden's blood glucose meter which in my opinion is the greatest one that I have ever held, used, or counted on. Contournext.com forward slash juice box. The podcast is also sponsored today by TrialNet. TrialNet offers free T1D risk screening. TrialNet.org forward slash juice box. Free T1D risk screening. Later during the ad, I'll fill you in on why that might be interesting to you. All right, let's get started. Here comes Heather. Okay, so my name's Heather, um, and I am an English mum of um, Oscar, who is my type one son. He's 12, and uh, we actually live in Spain. We live in the south of Spain. Um, I've got two other boys, and I'm married to my uh, my Spanish husband, Alejandro. Mm, That sounds very much like a romance novel. Um, Alejandro, yeah. (laughs) It really does. After 20 years, it's not so much of a romance novel anymore, but it was at the beginning. (laughs) 20 years and one pandemic later, and you're like, there he is. Oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely not romantic anymore. I'm I'm starting to get that. Like, I'll start talking, and I can see Kelly and Arden will look up at me, and they're like, oh, God, look, he's talking. (laughs) Yeah, totally. It's just, it's not natural, is it? Just to be sitting, you know, around with each other all day, every day. Yeah. Yeah. And you don't have whatever that thing is. I mean, I'm talking for, I guess I'm speaking for myself, not all men, but I'm irritated by the women in my life, but I don't tell them about it. (laughs) But, but the girls seem to have no trouble letting me know. (laughs) Just like oh, okay. sounds sounds familiar. I've got to say it sounds familiar. <laughs> Thing is, I'm like totally outnumbered in my house because it's me plus three boys. So I've like you know I've got to state my rights. <laughs> yeah. I I I've always found the most interesting part of being married to be like you're in some sort of a disagreement, and someone is running down a list that appears to have been started the day you met about what's wrong with you, and you're just like I love you, sweetie. I don't know what the problem is. I just love you, and she's like it doesn't matter. And you're like okay, because in 1998, I was like. 
kept a list. Oh no. Yeah, yeah. I, I feel like she had. Anyway, I, it might not be right, but I feel like whatever the first thing was that I ever did to wrong her, she's aware of it and has it written down somewhere. I think. Uh, I the wrong. thing is, you know, I've learned like after twenty years. I've learned something about myself that sometimes I just need to think for three seconds before I say what I'm going to say. Yeah. And that really helps. It certainly Because I does. just talk too, I talk too much usually. So I've started trying to do that now. I, I find myself, I work out my thoughts out loud, which probably doesn't come to a surprise to people who listen. But yeah. um, I don't think that's as pleasurable in real life as it is on a podcast. Yeah, mm-hmm. totally. Yes. <laughs> People are not going to find that so amusing at <laughs> but home. I'm, but I'm like, I'm thinking, I, like, I need a new car. And I'm like, well, so I've got it down to these two. And my thought process is ar- <laughs> arduous. And I like to run it around people. I'm like, what do you think of this? I can just see everybody's like, I don't care. But <laughs> at one point, my wife's like, I don't drive your cars ever. Like, car. Like, you know, I, I, don't, I don't have multiple cars. But she's like, I never drive any of the cars that you own. She's like, I don't care. It's not mine. It's yours. I was like, yeah, I just want your opinion. And she's like, I don't have an opinion. Like, you need to develop your inner voice, Scott. That's what it is. Yeah, well, I, I just got to. I, I think what I really have to do is I, I've, I've actually had this problem, I think, my entire life. I just sort of kind of expect that other people feel or think about things similar to me. And I know yeah, also don't. like people think you're going to be interesting. That's what I think. I think, you know, surely what I'm going to say is interesting. I know. And I realize it, it maybe isn't always. They look right through you. Well, at least you don't have a podcast so that you're that no, nobody can come back at you ever and go. I know that people who listen to your podcast like you, but at the moment, I'm not interested in what you're saying. You're like, oh, geez. Yeah, right. that's quite like a, quite a big audience for, for <laughs> kind of getting into waffling mode. <laughs> anyway, I'm sorry. Your son who has type one is how old? He's 12. And was diagnosed? So he was diagnosed when he just turned 10. Um, it was quite a kind of interesting story because, so so we live here in Spain and he goes to an international school and he had just gone off uh, on a on a sports trip to Dubai mm-hmm. um, to a, an international like world sports championship. It was like this really, really amazing trip of a lifetime. He was so young. He was only nine um, and he'd gone with his school. Um, my husband had gone with him because obviously he was quite young to travel. Um, but I was like really feeling that distance like I was just I don't know what it was but I was just feeling so nervous about him being that far away mm-hmm. and my husband kept kind of sending me messages saying you know Oscar's really like not himself I can't quite put my finger on what it is you know obviously he was in a hot country and he was doing like athletics and football and these different sports so we didn't quite know we didn't know if he was just not kind of adjusting to the to the climate out there but obviously it's hot where we live as well and I just felt something was wrong, you know, like a mother's kind of instinct. Um, And he's normally like really just, you know, doesn't get stressed and upset about things. He's really resilient. Um, But he was sending me these kind of homesick messages and, you know, telling me how much he missed me and just seemed off. Mm -hmm. And when he got back, we were so lucky because we picked up on what was going on really quickly. So, you know, he got back and I'd say the second night he got back, he got up twice to go to the toilet in the middle of the night. And I didn't know, you know, I'd heard about symptoms. I can't even remember where, but I just kind of knew what they were. And I said to him the next morning, like, Oscar, are you have you been like thirsty lately? And he said, God, I'm so thirsty all the time, mum. And I went, right, we're going straight to the hospital. Wow. Um, and 
he obviously was, you know, diagnosed straight away, sent, we had to go in an ambulance to the hospital in a bigger city close by. But they said you caught it so early that he wasn't even that like unwell, you know, he mm-hmm. seemed fine. He'd played like a football match, you know, the day before. Um, and I'm so grateful that he didn't get really sick when he was that far away from me, like half, you know, hours and hours away in Dubai. So he got home and, and we got it, you know, sorted quickly. But it was just, it was just that instinct. I just knew there was something not right. Quick, quick question. And you don't have to be super specific, but I feel like everyone listening is going to wonder if I don't ask, um, you guys own a diamond mine or like you, you, <laughs> you're gun runners. You just, you, you just said, you just said that, your son went to play a sport in Dubai, and I was like, yeah. "That doesn't sound like it's close to Spain." Uh, but yeah. I don't. <laughs> then again, I might be a hundred percent wrong. I just feel Isn't like I'm right close? about that. Yeah, yeah. yeah so yeah. anyway, uh, found a bag of money one day. Like I don't know, is it none of my business? I don't care. I just. Well, yeah, no. I mean, it wasn't. It was like I say, it was a trip of a lifetime. So I it's see. not. We're not like sending our kids, you know, all over the world all the time. It was this big opportunity. You know, we had to save up for it, and we were like, should we do it? Should we not? Like we knew a year in advance that you was going to have this opportunity. I but th- this is one of these th- going to an international school like here is. It's such a great way to live for them because they get so many opportunities to travel Mm -hmm. with the school that's the like mentality you know they want them to see the world and all three of my boys are quite in they're really sporty so they get to travel with sports which is really cool so we're very grateful for that i imagine as a mom to three boys you knew when you were getting sappy text messages that there was something wrong is that when it hit you (laughs) totally totally normally it's just like you know they're just going out and doing their thing but that's and that's what I said you just know when there's something off and it was like I love you I miss you and all this kind of stuff and yeah of course you know they say that kind of thing behind closed doors but like you know not on messages every day and because he'd actually been to Italy the year before when he was eight and that's really young Mm -hmm. and was actually fine like no problem yeah I, I find myself uh, any any decent father of sons you you always have to be like as you pass your kid your sons by like send mom a text say hi to mom don't forget to say goodnight to mom don't forget yeah. because they love you to death but they're boys and they're not fully formed yet you know and all you married ladies know guys don't really turn into humans till they're like in their 40s anyway so I know uh, yeah. I know or beyond but yeah I mean <laughs> I think beyond. that boys do are it's you know you shouldn't generalize but they can be very like close to their mums like you know we Mm -hmm. we have a very I have a very close relationship with all three of them but they are all you know resilient and actually particularly Oscar funnily enough you know and I've heard before other mums say it sounds terrible but if if any of the three of them could cope with getting something like this it was definitely this one you know he is he is a real you know, he's independent and, and brave and resilient. And he's he was the one, I think, best equipped to deal with all of this. Yeah, I have to say, I understand both sides of that conversation. Like, I, I get how weird it is to say that to somebody. And yet I understand yeah. when you're a parent of multiple children thinking, you know, if something happens to one of these people, that one can handle it better than the other. It should be him. It's like, <laughs> I think, Jesus, if this had happened to my oldest kid, like, we would have been screwed. I mean, he gets completely hysterical if he gets a splinter. Like, you know, we practically have to lock him in the room for a day. Whereas um, Oscar will, I remember once Oscar had to have a, a tooth removed and the dentist said, you know, it's it's really bad. We're, we're going to have to book you in for an extraction and, and this is how it's going to work and blah, blah, blah. And he went to the, he said to the, goes to the dentist, 
oh, just take it out now. Give me the shot and pull it out. <laughs> and he was like seven at the time. <laughs> and the dentist was like, great, no problem. Just got the pliers out and pulled it out. <laughs> I don't want to have to come back. Just bang on it. Yeah, Get let's it out just of do my it. Face. I have to tell you, I don't know if I've ever told this here before, but I grew up so broke. And my wisdom teeth had to come out, obviously, at some point. I didn't have any insurance. Oh, no, this is going to end badly. And I was, <laughs> I, was, I was at the regular dentist's office, and the guy's like, hey, you got to, you know, I'm going to give you a card for the person I do, uh, you know, I work with for surgery. And I said, uh, what's that going to cost? And I think at, at that point, they were like, it's $2,000. I said, well, I'm not wow. doing that, you know, so I don't have insurance and I don't have $2,000. And I said, what's it cost to have a tooth pulled? And he goes, what do you mean? I said, if you were to pull out a tooth right now, what would you charge me? He's like, 50 bucks. I said, well, I have $200. Go ahead and pull them out. And he shot me awful of Novocaine and had, right. an, had an assistant stand behind my head, both <laughs> hands on my forehead, leaning into my head to hold my head down while he was yanking out the wisdom teeth. That's pretty impressive. Yeah, you got to be really – you got to – Got to be broke to appreciate it, really. But yeah. I, uh, there was just no other option. So I was like, all right, well, I'll do this then. But you know what? Like, we are so lucky here in Spain. It's the same as England. With our, there's a free healthcare system here. Mm -hmm. You know, it's the same as as the NHS in England, and we just never have to worry about any of that stuff. Right. And it's like, I, I just can't tell you how much I appreciate that because Oscar gets, as well as you know, all of his insulin, everything. He also gets his Dexcom and his Tandem. All free. Wow. On the on the system here. Like no question. You know, obviously we go for our checkups, but it is all free. Wow. It's amazing. Hey, Spain, that's pretty great. Amazing. Yeah. 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 Well, okay. So you, how did you know? Why did the peeing tip you off? Just because I knew, you know, I knew the symptoms were um, uh, frequent uh, urination and thirst. I can't even remember how I knew, but also it was, it was so weird. There was this photo that was taken. I took of him on his, on my phone mm -hmm. a couple of days before. And I, again, I've heard other mums say this and I looked at the photo and he had lost weight and I, and I still look at that photo now. I hate looking at it. And I was like, this is not a photo of, of what my son should look like, you right. know? And it was like, just looking at something and knowing that he was ill. It was such a horrible feeling. And, and luckily, you know, they saw us. It was only two days later that we went to the hospital. Um, and But I kind of knew what they were going to say. No kidding. So you just picked it up somewhere along the lines. You have absolutely no idea yeah. where. Oh. Yeah. You know, I mean, maybe I'd had a friend who'd had it or or something. But, yeah, it was very clear. And I said to my husband that day, I said, you know what? I think our son's got diabetes. I'm taking him in and he was like don't be ridiculous you know and um and it was obviously we were right okay wow well what do you do next then if you're i i've never really asked anybody this before i guess i, I don't know why i haven't now i'm thinking about it I was like jesus should have said this sooner but what, <laughs> what do you do he's got diabetes you get sent home i always ask like what kind of stuff did you get sent home with but how do you go about figuring out what to do yeah, well, it was, this was not an easy part of it. So like the easy part of it was getting him there and getting him diagnosed. But the my main problem is that I'm in, a, I'm in a different country. So, you know, I'm an expat living in a different country and I speak Spanish, but I'm not bilingual. Like I've, I've learned Spanish mm -hmm. and suddenly, you know, and you know how unbelievably overwhelmed you feel in those first couple of weeks. I was just like, and people were just talking at me 
in Spanish, you know, and, and my husband obviously was there with me. But I felt like not only am I not taking any of this in, but I'm trying to take it all in in a different language. Mm-hmm. Um, and even though the healthcare system is amazing here, they're really behind on technology. So the general awareness of technology. So it's only two years ago. And, and my personality is just like, you know, go home, read everything you can, get all the information you can. And then go talk to the doctor about it. And, and we were seeing this um, specialist. And I said to her, this is on like the third or fourth day, Oscar was in hospital for a week. I said, what about this Dexcom that I'm reading about? And she was like, no, 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 it's success. You know, it's new technology. It really could, shouldn't be relied on. And I was really putting me off it and saying, oh, children don't react very well with it. <laughs> I don't know how. And I, thank goodness I didn't listen to her because I was like, this is ridiculous. And, and did all of my own you know, research on all of it. So we were given all of this education in terms of the basics, which I was really struggling to take on board. So I kind of just educated myself at home. And that was how I kind of found sanity, basically, because and particularly like carb counting and all this kind of thing. And then after a few days, for some reason, my husband's a chef. And for some reason, they decided that we were a family who would be absolutely fine and we weren't going to have any problems because my husband was a chef and we were going to know all about food and off you go, go home. Um, and didn't really get much support after that. You know, we'd go for our checkups every three months. I'd still not understand what they were talking to me about. And so we've just kind of found our own way. And I, I don't, because I know you don't, I don't carb count at all. A lot of it's just kind of experience now and just realizing what, what, kind of food will do what to him and I sometimes maybe I feel like I'm doing that wrong but I just feel that it's 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 more kind of mentally it's less mentally taxing that way I, I agree with you I I think it's interesting also the um the idea that the Dexcom was new to the to the medical person and so they just said well that's a new thing it's not yeah. new it, it had been around for many many years and been through a number of different iterations but it was new to her I guess so therefore new, and then that's easy, and she's had a bad experience with it, and that's how easily you could have been dissuaded if you wouldn't have thought. I know, well, if I was more it. impressionable, like, you know, I just think on what planet does someone, does a, someone, a diabetes doctor say that to somebody, yeah. you know, it's just like, this is absolutely the most important thing that has happened to us as a family on so many different levels is is the Dexcom. Being able I mean, to I see. just, yeah. Just that's it, being able to see the data. Yeah. And what it's meant for us in terms of, you know, being able to sleep at night, being able to have peace of mind, you know, uh, in in the beginning and then analyze everything. I just, it's it's like 90% of the whole thing for us is that Dexcom. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, that's that's incredibly interesting. I wonder if it, I'm going to be a conspiracy theorist for a second. I wonder if because they're free, they don't like to give them to people. (laughs) I know. And I don't know, like sometimes I so often think back to her. And you know, what's really weird is that um, Oscar, so we've had, we've now got a much better doctor, but Oscar, and I always like listen to, you know, when your kids have a really like strong reaction to an adult and they can't quite put their finger on it, but he hated her. I mean, he hated her. (laughs) We'd have to go and see her every day for more education. And every time he walked into that room, his blood sugar shot up to like 280 in five minutes. It was really interesting. And 
And I still look, I still think back on her. She had a really annoying receding hairline. <laughs> and I've got this like nightmare vision of her <laughs> with Oscar shaking in the corner and her telling me how terrible Dexcoms were. And just, she was like a witch. Um, and I now think, should I like send her an email and say, I hope you're not saying this still to newly diagnosed families yeah. because you're really. It's a disservice. Not... It is. Yeah. But I don't know whether she, how she would take that. It's it's super funny because I have a great relationship with like the the people I I talk with through Dexcom about the advertisements that go on the show, and yeah. you know they're like, you, you know, understandably when we first started doing this, they said like, you know, we'll, we'll we'll write some ads and go over them, and I was like, I really don't think that's a good idea. I'm like, I can just talk about it, like from you know my experience. I think that's a great yeah. advertisement for it, and I they agree. were finally they were finally like, yeah, yeah, go ahead. And, and that was lovely of them. And, and so I've been doing that for years. But there are times when I'm saying it where I think, like, is this even, like, I hope this is believable. But you know what I mean? Like, I know it's in an advertisement, so it might be not. But I think everything you just said, it's the greatest thing that's ever happened to me um, in regards to my daughter's type one. And even being able to help other people, it's, you know, there's so much there's so much feedback. I know I call it data, but there's so much feedback. And it's just, it's become super simple for me to look at the graph and think, all right, well, this is what happened here, you know, and it's just, it makes it all visual and very understandable. It, I mean, that, and that's when, and that's the more kind of advanced stage, because, you you know, you've been dealing for it for so long. Mm-hmm. But like, also, for, for me, the first thing was, I can send him to school and not be having a heart attack every right. day. Like, you know, when I remember we we had our week at hospital and then we had a week back at home and we didn't have the Dexcom. And I was just saying to myself, how am I going to send him to school? Like, I, I, I've, I just won't be able to relax at all, you know. And we were having to get up and do the finger prick three times a night with the alarm on. And, oh, my God. I mean, how you would think that this is a better way of doing things, I, I just have no idea. Yeah. So now whenever I meet anyone who's going through the same thing, and they're like, what advice would you give? You know, it's just, number one, get a Dexcom. Yeah. And then everything else is is less important. It's so – it's just very true. I, um, I, I – I've – feel like i've run out of ways to say it like there are times where i the music pops on and i want to say to people just just go buy it if you can like if you can afford it get it there's no reason yeah that you wouldn't want to uh and, and all I, th- the I other think stuff. i react to it so strongly because i was told not to get it by someone who was in a position of power so yeah. I just you know it's kind of that happened me ever since. that happened to us with arden's omnipod when we were we were pod shopping basically and a nurse told me very similarly to you, like, you don't want that. She actually used those words. You don't want that one. I said, why not? And she just rattled off a bunch of stuff that none of it ended up being true. And uh, then they apologized to me exactly. a couple And you don't later. know, you don't know why or where it comes from. And that, you know, there's no point analyzing it. Like we've had really good experiences ever since. And like I say, I'm so grateful to the, to the Spanish healthcare system, but it was just this one woman. And, and I like, you know, I just, I hope she doesn't keep doing it. Yeah. No, you have to see the difference between an anecdotal, um, you know, somebody speaking to you anecdotally and somebody speaking to you factually. And I don't think yeah. that that's hard to discern really, because if somebody has a bad experience with anything, it doesn't mean you're going to. And it doesn't mean they used it right. You could ask all kinds of questions. You know, people love to put online, it's a picture of their meter and a picture of their CGM and they're 35 points off of each other. Like, well, I don't understand which one to believe. And I sometimes say to myself, well, if I was you, I would believe the Dexcom over the 11th ranked blood sugar meter from 2000 and, you know, 
15. And also, like, like yeah. look at the last 15 minutes in your Dexcom, which yeah. you're not going to be able to see, and you can see what what angle the line's going at. What you know, I mean, like for for me as well, he, my Oscar does a lot of sports, and I just I feel like I can sit on the sidelines of a football match. And just completely enjoy it because, it, like, there's so many times where he sits. So we have his alarm, his low alarm at about, I don't know, eighty five or something when he's doing a match mm-hmm. because we know then he can just stop and have a banana or something like that. And it means that the biggest thing in his life, which is sport, has carried on, and we haven't had to worry about it. Okay, during this ad, I'm going to talk to you about Trialnet and the Contour Next One blood glucose meter. But I'm going to start with the glucose meter. The Contour Next One blood glucose meter is easily the greatest blood glucose meter that I've ever used. That's no kidding. I'm holding up my right hand as I'm saying that. It is incredibly easy to hold in your hand. It is small enough to transport simply, but not so small that you can't use it well. It has has an incredibly bright light for nighttime viewing, and the screen is super simple to see. It also has second chance test strips so that if you don't get quite enough blood the first time, even though it doesn't need a lot, if you just don't get quite enough, you can put more on without wasting the strip or impacting adversely the quality of the test. It also has an app if you so desire, and it can send all of its information over to the app so you can look at it later. Now, if you don't want an app, doesn't matter. Meter works just as well without the app. Great app. If you want it, don't want it, no bother. Contour Next One Blood Glucose Meter. I'm going to keep saying this. We don't pay enough attention to the quality of the blood glucose meter that we have in our pockets, our purses, our bags, and hidden around our house. There's no reason for you to be using an old, busted-up, janky meter that's giving you inaccurate testing. Get yourself a Contour Next One. They're very affordable. And in fact, maybe less cash than you're even paying now for your blood glucose meter through insurance. Check it out. That's all I'm asking you to do. Go to contournext.com forward slash juicebox. It's an incredibly comprehensive website that will answer all of your questions. There's links in the show notes of this podcast player and links at juiceboxpodcast.com. In case you can't remember, contournext.com forward slash juicebox. It's a great meter. No no BS. Uh, Here's something else that's great. Trialnet. Trialnet offers free type 1 diabetes risk screening. Okay. All you do is go to trialnet.org forward slash juice box to get started. Now, this is a little bit of an explanation, but I'm going to give it to you. Trialnet is available at no cost to relatives of people with type 1 diabetes. Trialnet risk screening identifies T1D in its earliest stages, often years before symptoms appear. Early detection allows you to take steps to try to change the course of the disease. There are prevention studies that are testing ways to slow or stop the disease's progression, and you could be eligible for those clinical trials. For people who take part in those clinical trials, the risk of diabetic ketoacidosis, or DKA, which is a serious and potentially life-threatening condition, drops from 30% to less than 3%. Here's who's eligible. You qualify for free risk screening if you are between the ages of 2.5 and and 45 years old and have a parent, brother, sister, or child with type 1. You also qualify if you're between the ages of two and a half and 20 years old, if you have an uncle, aunt, cousin, grandparent, niece, nephew, half-brother, half-sister who has type 1 diabetes. 
and you also qualify if you've tested positive for autoantibodies outside of TrialNet. All you have to do is visit trialnet.org forward slash juicebox, answer a few quick questions to see if you're eligible, and then you will join the thousands of T1D families who are on the pathway to prevention. When the website asks you how you found out, make sure you say Juicebox Podcast. Okay, so now you're wondering how you get screened, right? There's a couple of different ways. You can have delivered right to your door for free an in-home test kit. That kit provides everything you need to collect a finger stick blood sample from the safety of your own home. And then you can just ship it back using the free FedEx contactless home pickup. Or if you'd like, TrialNet will send you a lab test kit that you can take to a Quest Diagnostics or LabCorp location and get a blood draw right there. That, of course, is also absolutely free. And in some places, there are TrialNet locations that you can visit. So those are the three ways you can do it. You will receive your screening results in four to six weeks. If the results show that you are in early stages of type 1 diabetes, TrialNet will schedule a follow-up visit to see if you are eligible for a prevention study. TrialNet.org forward slash juice box. Make sure you tell them I sent you. Yeah, I agree. So you went online for this information? Yeah. Oh God. I just, and this is like, this is my personality. Like I will always try and find, like, I feel like I can find the truth about things, you know, and I, I I originally was a journalist, so I was trained to research things, you know, and that's like ironically come in so uh, useful now. Um, So I did my research, but you know, I was researching legitimate places, you know, so I knew I was getting the right information. And um, and, in, and what happened with us is that I, I got all the information, we got him set up. But then after, you know, a year and a half of having the pump and having the Dexcom, we were definitely hitting a wall. And I know you love hearing these stories. And then I found your podcast. And in fact, I found it on a Dexcom, like Facebook group. Um, they It kept kind of popping up the net you know the name of the of the podcast Mm -hmm. and the the problem is where I live here you know the the worst thing about this situation is how lonely it is Mm -hmm. you know it's lonely for Oscar and it's lonely for for me and my husband because we don't know anyone who is going through the same thing and yes you know you you there are kind of support groups and stuff but it's we never really found anyone we could really connect to and I found it really lonely as a mum and even though we felt we had the information that we needed, we were just, you know, he was only like 60% time and range and his A1C could be, could be a bit better. And then I hit the podcast and it just, it just gave me that extra step that I was missing to kind of really understand what was going on. Um, And it was brilliant because the English system has the different like blood sugar system. Mm -hmm. So so I can always understand everything that everyone's talking about in the American system because it's the same as Spanish. Um, and it just gave us that last little step, you know, in terms of pre-bolusing and being a bit braver. And because I didn't have anyone to really talk to about it and all the anecdotal stuff and all the amazing um, Facebook um, parents and everything that come in and help you is just, wow, what a life changer it's been, honestly. Right. It's also very helpful when the people who you're hearing from know that the first time they see something doesn't make it a rule and they'll wait until they have it. Like I say sometimes on here, like if I say something on this podcast and it's not something that's just popped into my head at that moment, because if it does, I'll say, 
this just came to me. I've never thought about this before. But if it hasn't, if you hear me say something, it is a tried and true thing that we've done for months, if not years. Like, I don't just hop on here and it's not a YouTube yeah, exactly. review of a, you know, of a vacuum cleaner. I don't, I don't push it across the carpet three times and go, oh, it sucks good. You'll love it. Like, I really, you know, I really put a lot of pride in the fact that if I'm talking about something, I'm generally comfortable it's going to work for most people. Yeah. You know. But I think the reason why it this works so well, like your podcast works so well in the and the kind of social media community is that you know, diabetes is something that you live and breathe 24 hours a day mm-hmm. and no one can understand unless they're living it. You know, like however much you talk to relatives and friends about it, no one can understand it. It's such a unique and slightly kind of relentless experience that um, finding a community that is living that 24 hour you know, experience as well is such a kind of bonding thing. Right. Um, and there's just so many variables that that's why like your podcast, you can just keep uh, bringing out episodes because it's just endless things to talk about. It's, it's fascinating. You said um, relentless. I never, I never thought of that word before uh, relating to diabetes, but it fits so perfectly. Yeah. The other totally. night, um, the other night around 11 PM, um, I'm talking to Arden. She's getting ready to go to sleep and I'm getting ready to go to bed and everything. And this thing pops up on her phone and it says the Dexcom sensor is going to expire in six hours. And my brain just went, that's five o'clock in the morning. Yeah, (laughs) Exactly. And that was, that's a good, a good example of that relentlessness. Like everything was going great. That sensor was working terrific. Her blood sugar was fantastic. We were going to bed and now suddenly it's something to think about. Now, for me, what I said was, I looked at her and I went, you want to do this now? Because if I do it now, I'm like, I don't know, that's going to come on around 1am or so. And I don't love the sensor at the very beginning. So I'm not going to, I'm going to wonder about it. I'm like, let's just get through five o'clock. And she looks at me and she goes, okay, let's do it in the morning. She goes, do not come in here at five o'clock and change that thing. (laughs) And I was like, she goes, I will be up at seven. And I said, okay, you know, that makes sense to me. And and there's the difference, right? Because for me, I'm so confident in her settings that I think that at five, when five o'clock comes and I lose the sensor, when she wakes up at seven, she's going to be okay. Yeah. And so I got up probably around quarter of seven. I tested her blood sugar. It was 89. And I thought, yeah, okay. And then we changed her, changed it out. And, uh, I said to her, hey, if you think about it, test again in like an hour or so. And, um, you know, just in case your blood sugar starts to drift. And in my mind, it's going to drift up because of the time of day. And sure enough, she tested and she was like 130. And we put a bolus in. And then an hour later after that, the CGM came on. And it actually was really great from the beginning. Um, But I can see if that was, can you imagine if that was two weeks in or a month in? And and also like imagine how many thoughts and decisions and and you know thought processes you have gone through in five minutes, yeah. <laughs> you know, and that m- most people just go to bed, they have a glass of wine, and they go to bed, and that's it. Whereas yeah. you're thinking, right, well, what happens in five hours, and should I do that? You know, and it, right. this is like this is what your brain is going through twenty four hours a day. You mm-hmm. just never like I have this weird thing where I go to sleep at night and I always wake up an hour after I go to sleep practically every night going what have I forgotten to do <laughs> I just have this like moment of panic uh, you know every every night because 
you know, your brain is just in overdrive all the time. And of course, like the more time you do it, like we're two years into it now, it becomes more part of life and more natural, but it is definitely relentless. Well, those thoughts too, they're, like you said, they're, they're impactful, but they're impactful to different people. That whole like little story I just told took like 20 seconds in my real life. Like we were able to think it through. We talked about it for two seconds and we were gone. And I didn't think about it after that. Like, I didn't worry about it. You, you would think of it differently because you have two years into it than somebody would who's been doing it for six months. That that moment could end up being a crippling event that lasts all night long. Yeah. You, you know, and, and they could really they could really get stuck. And like you said, and other people have, you have other stuff going on in your life. Like diabetes isn't the only thing you're thinking about constantly. Yeah. Hey, when but you, you have- can't take your eye off the ball though, you know, and this is, it's, it, I mean, no. every, like I can see how it, how it can really be difficult for, for some families, you know, because I, I had this really nice conversation there once with, um, with Oscar specialist and she does a, you know, a diabetes camp here in Spain every summer mm. And she said, you know, when I first started doing it, I would be like really in a way kind of quite thankful that my own children, her own children aren't, aren't diabetic, you know, didn't have to go through all of this that all, that all these kids are having to go through. And she goes, and the more time I spent doing these diabetes camps, the more incredible I realize children with type one are because they are dealing with like 500 decisions more a day than than any other child of the same age and they and a lot of them are just completely taking it in their stride like you know if if you can manage it and they can they can handle things um well psychologically and mentally and everything you know it can be the making of kids that they can grow up into the world and become something incredible because of what they're dealing with every day without even having to think about it in the end i can't tell if um, as Arden texts me, I know you're recording, but when you're done, you should make me French toast. <laughs> um, she's, she's got you wrapped around your little finger, little finger, Scott. I told her, I was like, I'm, you know, after this, I still have to, like, there's a couple things I have to do around the house. I'm getting my, ta- I'm going to get our taxes prepared this afternoon. So, you know, my wife's telling me something she needs from the grocery store. Everybody's like, I don't know. I'm I'm just everyone's major domo. I've realized. I, I I went from being Kelly's boyfriend to the waiter. I don't know what happened. But they're... but you so you is is uh, Arden going off to college soon? Are you are you still kind of looking at? Is she at home still? You no, know, she's a junior in high school. So she's almost. Done, uh, she's got one. <laughs> she's got one more year. Okay. And then she'll be going to college. She's looking at a couple of places now. I think she's got her heart set on one in New York, and um. And she's been, you know, doing her testing and trying to get everything lined up. Uh, she's trying to pull a portfolio together for where she, for what she wants to do. Mm. Um, Does it feel like a big, big thing though, her moving out? Because you've been so involved in all her care and everything. No, I feel okay mm. about it. Yeah. Like it's always been my goal to, for her to be okay. And if she's not... And if I don't feel okay, then that means she's not okay. So I think yeah, she, I think she will be. And I think also these algorithms are getting more and more plentiful in the world through insulin pumps, which are going to help a lot for people who, you know, who have the stuff uh, and we have it. So I think that will be valuable. I'm really excited to get Omnipod 5 and try that. Um, and there's still... So there's, that's the one that's going to be like control IQ, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It'll Amazing. be very similar to that, which should be out anytime now. And you and I are talking in April 
of mm. 2021. So it's possible by the time this this comes out, our conversation, it will exist already. Um, I think between that and what she knows, I have some fine tuning left, like management fine tuning in her head. Like the other day, she was on a like, I'm going to take care of this today. And I was like, all right. I, and I didn't say anything to her. And I watched her blood sugar go from like 80 to 140 to, you know, 90 yeah. to 130. Like, you know what I mean? And she just, and I said to her at the end of the day, I took a screenshot of her 24 hours and I just showed it to her real quickly. I said, Hey, I'm not breaking your balls or anything. I'm like, just look at this for a second. You didn't pre bolus one of these meals, did you? And she's like, How does she react to that? Because you see, when I kind of tell Oscar off, he gets so pissed off with me. <laughs> well, I didn't tell her off. I didn't, I didn't, I just, how you say it. Yeah, I just, I just said to her, Look, I'm not coming down on you. I just want you to understand that. No matter how good our settings are, if you don't pre-bolus this food, this is what's always going to happen. And she didn't mm. feel well. And I said, I think it's why you're not feeling well right now. You know, I was like, you're really accustomed to stability. And then I think the day or so later, um, I said something kind of sarcastic about it to her just to kind of bring it back up again. And I joked with her and I was like, seriously, just the, just pre-bolus. I think I said like, hey, don't forget to pre-bolus this. Or, and, or the thing is, you've got to say it in exactly the right way because, you know, I mean, Arden's obviously older. Oscar is really like hormonal, you mm -hmm. know, kind of a bit, bit kind of moody at the moment. And you have to, it's so important to like get the balance right where you're not constantly busting their balls. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you are like what, what we tried to do with him, he is really, he's a really independent kid, you know, in general. And, you know, he's only 12 and he does it all himself. So he calculates, calculates his own boluses. He changes, obviously asks me first, but he'll say, oh, I think I need to change my basal rate, you know, to this amount That's at, amazing. at this time of day. He's really, really smart with this stuff. Mm -hmm. um, but it means that like his time in range is maybe five or 10% less than it would be if I was doing it. But I prefer that. I prefer to have that like independence with him so that as he gets older, he feels like more ownership over it all. And he, but it, cause I, and I, but I also know that if I start going at him too much, I just worry that he'll rebel, you know, and he'll go into it's like kind of. I am always walking on that line. Like I don't, yeah. I am very, very cognizant about not starting arguments about things yeah. that aren't worth an argument. And I, I have a really exactly. clear idea of like, long range versus short range goals. Yeah. So I'm never trying to win today's skirmish. Like I, I want to win the whole war and, and what that should look like, by the way, is one day my kids don't hate me Yeah. Exactly. and they're doing okay. And they don't know that they're doing okay because of what I helped them with. And also like you'd be, you know, I think, well, if it wasn't this, I'd be arguing with them about something, you know, it's like, uh, <laughs> you can't, I think sometimes you can kind of use di diabetes as an excuse, you know, and sometimes they, oh, he's being really moody. It must be his blood sugar. And then I think, well, actually, no, he's 12, 13. He's probably just being moody. Just probably <laughs> you know, like, prick, so yeah. is my <laughs> older son at this age. Um, but, but like you say, you know, I don't want them, I don't want it to affect our relationship. I, you know, I'm kind of like always analyzing. I don't want, I just don't want diabetes to change his life. You know, that's what we try and I want his life to have been as similar as it would have been if he hadn't had it. Right. Especially so, knowing that it's going to on some level and you're just trying to not let yeah. it, on it. And listen, I don't want to come off as like Arden and I have never disagreed. Like we disagree plenty. And sometimes I don't say something the way I mean to, 
You know, yeah. I mean, a great example is um, I, sometimes I'll go out and come back a half an hour later and her blood sugar will be 50 points higher. And, and you know, sometimes I'm very good about coming in and handling it. And there are other times I just walk in the house and go, hey, everything can't go to hell because I left the house. I know. <laughs> I say that all the time. <laughs> right. and, and, and then I'll be like, and I'll be like, because. Oh, that, because you just sounded like me then. That's yeah. so weird. Well, because it's not fair to me. Like you're basically telling me that your health and welfare depends on me not leaving your, like your, yeah. I can't do that, you, you know. So, and by the way, it doesn't have to be like this. You could, you could have paid attention to this, and then that's when it's like I didn't hear my phone beep, and I'll say I think you have it silenced. I I don't like. To, I didn't want to hear my text messages. I'm like, uh. but what will happen? Like, say for instance, so does Arden wake up? This is what I worry about about college, even though it's much further off for us. Does she wake up to alarms in the night? No. What would happen if her alarm went off? I'm assuming she'd die. No, I know. Oh, I feel so much better. Yeah, I, I feel like I've tried to help you with that. No, I mean, I Thanks. don't. I don't have the answer to that yet. Um, that's yeah, that's my one fixation. But the way I feel about it is, and, what, and my hope is, I know her enough that I think that when it becomes necessary, she'll take yeah. care of it. Yeah, I think there's yeah, a comfort true. now knowing someone else has my back. And I don't have to hear that and wake up. Now, if I'm wrong, then I guess Arden's got a diabetes buddy and it isn't going to be me because I don't hear those alarms very well either. It's my wife. All right. Or she'll have to have a roommate, I guess, who, what if the roommate doesn't wake up? It'll be like a bad, uh, like rom-com. I'll have to pay somebody to be her friend and never tell her. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. check I I met Becky on the first day and she's amazing. (laughs) I was like, yeah, you just bumped into her. That's great. Oh. <laughs> no, um, I so I genuinely think that as she gets more mature, she'll just have to take care of it better. I also think the algorithm does a pretty good job. I mean, the yeah. I have to be honest, since looping, which I don't imagine is how Arden's going to manage things that far into the future, meaning for my money, it's funny. I think, all right, ready? I think that loop, that loop algorithm is probably the best software that i've ever seen on the planet for managing insulin and at the same time i don't think that it's reasonable to think that my 18 being 19 being 20 year old daughter who's not really very good with her computer is going to want to use an insulin pump that requires her to be an apple developer and download software and load it onto her phone like i don't think that's something she's going to do so yeah, that's yeah. one of the things that I've been so because because so many people are just evangelical about looping and it's terrific. It's interesting how you are, you know, because it, it, you didn't use it took you a while, didn't it, before you started looping and sure, and, yeah, somebody I mean, badgered what, me into it actually. I just feel like like I'm, we haven't even got control IQ here in Spain yet. We are really excited mm-hmm. about getting it because Oscar tends to go too high too much rather rather than too low, but. I don't know whether it's going to change things that much because because of the how many variables they are. I, I don't know. We'll, yeah. we'll we'll see. But I'm much more excited about oh that lovely Spanish guy that you had, Doctor Leon, wasn't it? Francisco Leon. Wasn't he lovely? Yeah. 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 He was so lovely. You know, I emailed him after um, listening to the podcast. I sent him this email in Spanish and, and he was so lovely. He said that because Oscar, uh, Oscar wants to do a project on on this stuff. And he said, oh, he's, he's going to let Oscar interview him. And but that that incredible 
that's where I, my kind of heart lies is, is that stuff that they're talking about. You know, I think cock control IQ, great, but it's nothing compared to what we're hearing about. Um, and the, the specialist, Oscar specialist, who's, who's very kind of experienced, she's, she's in Malaga here in Spain. She's really watching all of that stuff. And she said to me, by the time Oscar goes to university, he won't even know he's got diabetes. You know, she's really positive about it. Um, so, you know, all these fantastic things are happening in the meantime, but I think that's the big prize that's... Yeah, the way I see the progression... First of all, here's how. I, I've never owned an electric car in my life, and mm. I know that the next time I get a car, if I can afford it, I want an electric car. Like, I see the progress there, right? Yeah. And um, there's been a tipping point, and that's it. I think of diabetes the same way. Like, in my mind... Things you should be hoping for short term are algorithms that stop you from getting low and help you from spiking too much over, you know, 180 or 200. Um, And then you can intervene to do better than that. Um, You hope that insulin gets quicker and lasts less time. Like hopefully Mm -hmm. they can keep engineering insulin to come online faster and not still be around four hours later if you don't want it to be. Um, I think you should hope that um cannula material gets better and people work on adhesives and stuff like that yeah exactly the physical equipment and because they say there's going to be a patch at some point that you'll just be able to slap on your arm and it will i can't even imagine that that's true i'm saying like i i always am about like reach for the things that are attainable keep moving forward and when when something gets that much better leap with it and yeah you know and then the thing from is, there, you've been I at think... this for a, for a long time, though. Like you know, I yeah. I think that what what I believe. Well, sorry, I'm kind of interrupting myself. But the, the the interesting thing is when I tell Oscar everything that's going on, he isn't interested because he's like, "Well, mum, that doesn't help me today." And and actually, I I understand that. Whereas I'm like always obsessively reading off what's happening in the future and everything. But and the sad thing is, so many people over the last 20, 30 years have been promised a cure, haven't they? And they've yeah. and, and people tend to say, you know, you don't you shouldn't think about this and, and it's just gonna drive you crazy and things. But, you know, the stem cell stuff now is such a you know, science can go in kind of leaps, you know, it can slow down and go fast and slow down and go fast. And I think that science now is in a massive acceleration phase. Mm-hmm. Um and I think that's what is, is coming from stem cells. Yeah. So I don't think it's unwise to get excited about this. Like maybe it would have been 20 years ago, you know? Right. No, listen, I stay in a very hopeful frame of mind. Um, and I think too, for a 12 year old, uh, what, what does a macro view entail for a 12 year old? Like the last 10 days, you, you exactly, know, so they, yeah. they, they yeah, can't yeah. pull back far enough to see any of it. I just thought that um, what Dr. Leon was talking about seemed attainable and with it, with technology that exists now, which I always think is important, it, and it's, then it's scaling up to, uh, you know, to being able to get it to people that becomes the bigger problem. And I have talked about that with a number of of um, people over the decades, actually, about the idea of like, oh, you know, one time somebody told me if we figure out encapsulation today, it'll take ten years to get it to market. Like that's and the why. Kind of why yeah. does it take so long? Infrastructure and materials now they say the materials won't be as big of a deal so that'll shorten it but i loved what he was saying because what he was saying was look we could get those beta cells back in there and that are working but then your body's just going to kill them again but we think we can stop your body from wanting to kill them and replace them well hell okay let's do that You, you know like that seems right to me 
And I don't know, I couldn't even tell you, like if that came to fruition and Arden was 30, maybe she'd say to herself, I don't, I'm not going to do that. I'm okay. Like she might, I've talked to people who have type one diabetes who are adults who are just like, yeah, I mean, I'm okay with who I am. It's interesting. You never know who you're going to be. But for people who are really struggling, that that's how I feel about the algorithms right now. Like, you know, you're on here, and, you know, I'm talking about my daughter's A1Cs and the fives, but imagine somebody who's A1Cs and the nines, who's going to just slap on a CGM and an Omnipod, and they're going to talk to each other, and that A1C is going to drop by multiple points. That's a huge deal for them. That's a life-changing, life-saving situation for them. Like, you know, if if you've got it down pat, I somebody sent me a graph the other day. It's like stable between 90 and 110 for 24 hours. There was one little like bump up in the afternoon and they're like, how do I fix this? And I was like, this graph looks perfect to me. I'm like, no, it's I don't like they've you know. become like institutionalized. You know, they've become so used to this, this life in a way. It's, it's a shame, you know, because um, and the interesting thing is because what, what we're saying, what you're saying is that it's the, the people with diabetes themselves that are sometimes happier just to get on with. And it's us as parents who are always like desperately trying to think of a solution. Like we always are for our kids and we're always trying to like solve all their problems. Yeah. And, and that's, and I guess it's such a different perspective than, than when you're going through it yourself, you know, mm-hmm. and it's, you know, both has its, has its difficulties, like being the parent or, or being the patient. But right. I just, I think that um, what I loved about Dr. Leon was that he was, he was talking about each obstacle and then talking about the solution to that obstacle. So he was like, you know, first of all, the problem was where are we going to get so many cells, stem cells from? Well, now we've solved that. And then the next problem is, you know, and he, and it gives a lot of hope when you see that they are now, now finding the solution to all these big problems. And it seems, it seems viable. Yeah. No, a hundred percent. I completely agree with you. And it's, you know, it's different for every person. Like if you had massive anxiety and type one diabetes, well then, you know, making diabetes go away is a, is a, is a big thing for you. It, it, you know, it's, everybody's living with different stressors outside of diabetes too. And yeah, there's, there's two halves to it. There's the, there's all of the technology and the management and all of that stuff that takes, you know, so much of your time, but then there is the feelings around it, which Mm -hmm. is just as big and important and, and how to manage it. And, you know, like these days we're always, we're so aware of our children's mental health and, gosh, does it like add a whole extra level to your child's mental health when you think, okay, yep. you know, he's, he's having to deal with all of this as well. So it's like, it's double worry. And I, you know, I, I worry just as much about how Oscar feels as how, as his health. Right. You also have to worry about things impeding you that you don't even know exist. Like, like you said earlier, what if you just would have believed that Dexcom was a bad thing and just gone on your way and never thought about it again? And that, and you know, what happens to people who fall into, you know, oh, you have to eat exactly this way or, you know, it, it just it, it becomes it becomes incredible because the place where you can get good information, you could also get bad information from. I know. And that's and it could be so it could be so kind of devastating. Yep. Um, I mean, I, you know, luckily we live in an age where we can do our own research and we can go into social media and, and online. And, and sometimes that's not a great thing, but so many, you know, I, I, being, being finding the support and the community that I've been able to find as, as a type one parent online 
shows how incredible social media is. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, it's made me feel part of a community. Like, you know, I've had some really difficult moments over the last few months with with Oscar where, you know, he had one like really bad low in the middle of the night and I, I can't remember other things. And I put them those experiences on your Facebook group and normally I would have no one to talk to about it you know I might speak to my mom about it I might speak to my best friend but they'd be like oh that's terrible they don't have a clue yeah. and just being able to you know and you put you put things up and within half an hour you've got 50 replies from people who know exactly exactly what you're going through and not only that they're there for you you know they're rooting for you like you're doing great and it's that is just priceless and that is social media at its absolute most incredible right. you know bringing community communities together like that 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 facebook group for the podcast is specifically good at that because it was built from a foundation of people who are, I, I think already listen to the podcast so everybody had a similar idea of like you know you can actually do this and here's a way to do it and yeah. you know support is important and then as the word got out that it was a valuable group and people started to kind of pour into it who didn't come through the show. There's enough of a mix there of the people before and the people after to keep acclimating everyone in. Yeah. But you must feel frustrated sometimes though, because I obviously by definition, all of these people are going to be people who really want to improve and really care, you know, and are willing to kind of commit their time and energy to, to the best outcome, you know, either for themselves or for their kids. But I guess, you know, because you're so passionate about it, you must sometimes think, wow, I wish I could reach everyone because, you know, there's so many out there who have given up or, you know, have you know, rebelled or, or just don't want to, don't want to get involved yeah. in all of it. It's funny. I thought you were going to go a different way with that question, but you're right. Um, but you, if you're me, then you have to find a way to get past that because that becomes crippling too. Yeah. Of you, course. you know, and, and kind of maddening you, you, the idea that, I mean, if I stop and get, if I get sullen and quiet and I think about it inside, I can tell you that this week I helped two people with their kids. Mm. aside from here and you'll never hear about them and that kind of stuff and their graphs are crazy and they're pulling their hair out and then now they're not it only took me probably a couple of hours for all of them but i can't and that's do, what you got to focus on yeah but i can't do that for everybody and yeah. and if i stopped and wondered about how many kids are living like that right now i'd really it would be overwhelming to me and it's like, you know, you, know, you can't save all the rescue dogs. You can't, you know, all these kind of things. It, yeah, exactly. Just, you, you, you just can't. can't reach everybody. And you, yeah. you have to understand that or it'll just like it fries your mind. Like Jenny and I will talk about it privately sometimes. And she's really passionate about helping people, too. And yeah. I think the reason why Jenny continues to come on the podcast is because it allows her to reach more people. And absolutely. Yeah. And the ripple effect, you know, and this is the thing. It's not just the it's not like, for instance, you know, you're talking to me I, like I'm an English person living in Spain. Like, you know, you in the beginning, you probably wouldn't have thought you'd, you'd reach someone like me. But it's just the ripple effect. Again, the power of social media. And, and it is such an incredibly positive thing. You know, yeah. you've you've probably saved people's lives. I mean, it's it's an amazing thing to think about. Well, it's weird for me to talk about it, but I am very happy that the show is is what it is. And I'll tell you the first month I had a blog in 2007, the first piece of correspondence I ever got from somebody was from somebody from England who said that I read your blog and um, it's helping my family. 
And I didn't even think I had a blog. Like I started a blog so early, I didn't mm. know what a blog was. <laughs> yeah. Right. And so it, cause blogs didn't have the connotation that they do now. Um, and, but so I saw the reach and that was amazing. Um, the, the thing I worry about most is oversaturation in anything. Mm. I saw oversaturation ruin blogging for people with type one diabetes to some level. Um, there's just so many of them you couldn't keep up and then people just gave up on them in general. Mm. And, um, this, I, I, and now, you know, as time moves on, people are like, oh, podcasts, those are a great idea. And some people see them as ways to launch businesses. Um, some people see them as ways to, you know, make money. Uh, they don't realize that I think there's, I think the number is, I want to say the number's 1.5 million podcasts ex in existence. But is that all? I thought be there's real and it's coming closer to 2 million. But really, the truth is only like 800,000 of them are even active. And, yeah. And then the truth of that is like only 500,000 of them put up at least one episode a month. And mm -hmm. then 80% of those only get 145 downloads lifetime per episode. So, yeah, it's so, like blogs. Most, you know, 95% of blogs only do like three posts, don't they? And then, yeah. and then the person and then, gets But it's still there out. and it gets counted as a blog. So the truth is, is that most podcasts fail. Um, and the reason they fail is because somebody puts it out with this uh, expectation that, oh my God, like someone's going to find this and it's going to be great and I'm going to love it. And then nobody finds it and they don't have it. They're like, well, I'm not going to keep doing this if nobody's listening to it. And then it just, yeah. it just dies off. You see the same thing happen with like YouTube channels. Everybody thinks they're going to make a YouTube channel and then they do. And most of them you, just go away. You have done something really unique with this podcast. I, I like I love podcasts. I spend a lot of time in my car and, and I listen to a lot of different types of podcasts. And like you're saying, so many people get it like get it wrong or you just stop listening or, you know, they don't succeed. But actually it's. It's quite a kind of simple concept. You just have to have, and I know this isn't a real word, but it, it has to have listenab listenability. Mm -hmm. Well, how would you say it? You know, just something that is easy and and keeps your attention. It's not very easy to keep someone's attention for like an hour, an hour and a half. You know, people read like newspaper articles and they only have about, three, or, or YouTube videos, they only have about six seconds to keep someone's attention. Right. So it, it is an incredible skill that you've got to keep this this level of of interaction and, and interest and everything and i i will happily sit and listen to the podcast for a couple of hours and i can't say that about hardly anything i can barely watch a film all the way through you know so so you you have really done a great job and i think also it's because there's a good mixture of things as well you know it's like just people like me who are just chatting about normal life and then there's experts and then there's, you know, um, people who are talking about the technology and, and that's a really good balance, but I, I it's the be best podcast I've ever listened to. Well, I appreciate that. I try really hard to make it, um, listenable. And, uh, I also get lucky in a couple of places, right? I have a deeper voice that, <laughs> that helps. But uh, you have a very like approachable voice, you know, like it's just, it's just, just really pleasant to listen to you and it's very hard to like you know nail that i'm not doing it on purpose it's just how it works uh, if you want to thank somebody in being mostly honest about it i guess thank howard stern yeah yeah because i've been listening to howard stern since i was in middle school 
Yeah. And I, I've I've only seen like his most shocking moments. That's yeah, how I'm I sure. would know, know how, how it's done. But the way I think of him is a person who is incredibly interested in everyone's story and gives them all equal weight. I, I've heard him interview a stripper in the nineties with the same interest that I heard him interview Paul McCartney about being in the Beatles. Exactly. Right? And people pick up on that, you know, because like people don't want to be lectured. So they don't want to be, they don't want to sit and listen to someone just give them a whole bunch of instructions. Mm-hmm. Um, and like these days, it's all about like authenticity, isn't it? It's, you know, not the perfect things going on on Instagram. And they just want authenticity and they want to be able to relate to someone. And like who better than someone who's lived and breathed this, you know, since their daughter, or she was very young, wasn't she, Arden, when she yeah. was diagnosed? Two, yeah. Um, and who cares about it? but listens to other people and shows, you know, how many times have you sat around and tried to have a conversation with someone and they just talk about themselves for an hour and then they leave the conversation. It just seems to happen all the time. And it's, you know, it's, a tough it's just balance. so nice. You know, I appreciate it because it's a tough balance because I'm trying to be entertaining and informative at the same time. And so there are times where I have to pump out what I know about diabetes And so sometimes I have to interject in a conversation to tell a story about Arden or something that happened here so that the people listening will get the idea. And sometimes the person telling the story is hitting all the right notes so I can let them go. Yeah. I don't know if, you know. I love it when you have people on who don't like you. (laughs) so funny or (laughs) or haven't liked you and you uh, and you're just kind of like being a bit self-deprecating and and not, you know, <laughs> you just hit a really good tone with them. because I, it, I'm fascinated by that. Like, I'm trying to re- re- win them round, but I'm not going to be too obvious about it. And, you know, still like defending yourself. And they're brilliant, those ones. That guy that came on who uh, had the bad reaction to when Jenny and I, I guess we kind of, we talked about the Medtronic pump and Jenny didn't like it. Like Jenny had used it and not liked it. And he took it so personally. Like he yeah. was, and I was like, <laughs> and he was really harsh to me in, uh, in a message. And like, I got that message. I don't know what most people would do when somebody's really harsh to you in a message, but I, I immediately answered him back. I was like, you should come on the podcast. <laughs> Uh, definitely you know that's such like for for me like the English sense of humor is really that like the English sense of humor is like self-deprecating and they like you know we like to kind of take the piss out of ourselves and things and that's why it really appeals to me because you just don't want to listen to people who take themselves too seriously and at the same time by the way I thought he has a real perspective here that I think would be interesting perspective yeah yeah yeah. you were really you were really good with a lot I I listened to one recently the woman who uh is low carb that was a recent one wasn't she Susan and you put it yeah um and you put it really well you were like I'm not here to like judge what people's perspectives and the way they're doing things I've you know I'm just here to kind of give a platform and and I have my way of thinking about things and and you have your way and like good for you I mean you were very respectful with her which you could see during the podcast actually started turning her around to like you know your way of thinking so it was really enjoyable to listen to I appreciate that and I really mean it too I think (laughs) I and I hope that comes across but I genuinely am interested in what she thinks I, I don't I don't care how she eats. I just want her to tell yeah. people so they can hear it. And, and if they they might think, oh, that's for me. And then great. Yeah. You know, there are going to be so many different ways of, of, you know, handling things. And there's no right way or wrong way. And I mean, I'm more your way. I just say, you know, eat what you want and get, take the insulin to deal with it. But right. 
lots of other people will be different. Well, I am starting to get more and more comfortable doing this. There's part of me who thinks that the best parts of this podcast are coming still. Like yeah. I am getting really, really relaxed when I'm doing it. Um, do you think you'll do it for a lot longer? Is it like a long-term thing? I do not see why it would have to stop. As long yeah, as I see I people being helped by it, I think it's a value to keep going. I, my my imagination tells me that in a year or so, um, I'm going to get Jenny on the phone and tell her, look, I, I hate to put you through this, but I think we should listen to the pro tip episodes and then jump on the microphone and and update or redo them or add to them somehow. Absolutely, because things are going to change right. so much and so fast yeah. over the next five, 10 years that you know, it's going to be more than ever. People right. are going to want to, I mean, maybe in five years, there'll be a new medium or it might be that you might be a slightly different way that it gets communicated, but people are, are going to be desperate for, for this information. Good information. Still. Yeah. And you have to and be delivered a little... in this easy, you know, easy to listen to really enjoyable way. That's the secret to it. Yeah. You have to keep innovating too. Like if you're just talking about just the podcast, um, you can't, I think the biggest mistake that people make is they just do the same old, same old all the time. Like basically yeah. there are podcasts now that are just basically rehashing what they read on a blog 10 years ago. Or, you know, like when people, when, when people do that thing, like it's the 4th of July, like here's a recipe for a red, white, and blue cake that won't make your blood sugar go high. I'm like, Oh my God, <laughs> that is literally the last thing I would ever think to tell you guys about. <laughs> like I was, I couldn't, it's father's day. We've got a dad on to talk about I'm like, Oh, what was this? The local news? You, you, <laughs> you know, like it's just that stuff fascinates me. And, and at the same time, I can, I can put out something on a topic that most people don't talk about. And then I can stand back and watch over the next three to four weeks, other podcasts lean into those topics. And I'm like, they never would have thought to do that if they didn't hear me do it. But, but that's okay. So then other people will be helped. I can't reach everybody. They'll go reach somebody else. And I'm just going to keep doing what I'm doing, which is breaking down what I think is living with diabetes in ways that are manageable and easy and healthy. And I'm going to keep trying to find new ways to talk about it. And I'll do that till I can't. But you know what you're doing though is you're you're making people feel a part of something. I you know, I think that's what the most important thing to all of this is. You're making people feel that they're part of you know, like a family, like we're all in this together. And, and that, that was the secret to me, you know, when, when, when I, I felt really like I was lost, like I didn't have anyone around me to, to understand me. And when you feel like you're a part of something, that's when things can really change. Well, I'm glad if that's happening for people. Um, I can't, yeah. you know, to, to not be high-minded about it and be philosophical about what it means to make this podcast on, at a very basic level, what I'm the only thing I'm really doing is I'm saying the things that I think people should hear about mm. about the topics I think they need to hear about. And it's my aesthetic and my my vibe. And if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. And if I but I feel like I must be doing okay because it's growing the way it is. But like so, you know what I mean? Like if I were to start yeah. if I were to start this podcast and nobody listened to it. I would go, okay, well, whatever I was doing, didn't it didn't resonate with people. And that would be the end of it to me. So I have a question for you, though. So how does, for instance, Oscar is, he really doesn't like, like, you know, I've said to him, oh, we should do an Instagram page and we should share, you know, information and stuff. He does not like being 
kind of identified you know he's really private about it all of course yeah. it's much earlier but how does Arden feel about all of it does she mind you know because obviously she doesn't talk on the show um does she prefer you know it to be you and she kind of gets on with her own thing while you while I you said this recently and you'll probably hear me say this more than once but I honestly don't think she gives a shit one way or the other <laughs> like I just did yeah. you know she'll and that's the best way for it to be yeah she she would never Arden would never, in in my estimation, start a Instagram page that highlighted her diabetes. And mm-hmm. at the same time, if you're following her on Instagram, I think you can see her pump and her CGM if it's there. She doesn't do anything yeah. to hide it. Um, you know, she leaves my house constantly with pods on her legs, you know, wearing shorts or skirts that are below her shorts or skirts. Um, if you ask her about her CGM, she'll show you the side of her ass, you know, like she has no trouble. She'll just be like, look, it's like this. That's so cool. Yeah. But she wouldn't go out of her way to tell someone. She's grown up with it. Yeah. It does not, it does not, um, impact her like that, but she would, I don't think in a million years, it's funny because I think that people doing that on Instagram, as an example, are helping other people with type one diabetes a lot. And having said Mm -hmm. that, I don't think Arden wants to be involved with anything like that. Because, like, she'll say uh, to me, like, like if Omnipod asked me for a picture, she wouldn't want to be in it. Exactly, yeah. That, yeah. I mean, that's what Oscar would be like, you know, and, and that is absolutely their right, you know, because I kind of, you know, I have, you have these, like, visions that one day he'll go out there and he'll help others and let, you know, and, and do and just be a mentor to younger kids. And he just doesn't want to, like, you know, he's just, I want to be like my friends and I want to live my life. And, yeah. you know, you just, you just get on doing all of your stuff, mum. But I, you know, I just don't really want to get involved in all of it because again, he, it's the difference between a parent of a type one and being a type one. Yeah. And whether he ever cared about that or not, I don't think matters one way or the other. And he could also end up helping people privately if he wanted to, and nobody would know. Mm. But honestly, when you really stop and think about what the podcast is, you don't recognize this, but you know, you get right now you're getting three episodes a week, but I used to talk to people all the time, like a lot on the phone. Like I'd walk people through the reason I'm good at talking about it is because I've talked about it with so many people. I used to do a thing um, on Fridays where I would um, I'd give my entire day over to talking to people on the phone and I'd end up talking to like eight or 10 people on a Friday. Wow. I mean, that is like, and get them all straight. And then there was, yeah. And then there was one day where I was like, uh, blogging's kind of falling apart and cause people don't read for some reason, everybody's just like not done reading. And I thought, <laughs> I thought, I bet you people would love to hear these phone calls. And then yeah, I was exactly. like, oh, I wonder how I would do that. And then I went through my, uh, it was it. And then I just thought, I was like, oh, well, that I, I had done an interview a number of years before um, with Katie Couric. And she said I was good at talking to people. So I was like, I could probably make a podcast. Wow. And then that was it, really. I just was like, all right, I'll try this now. And then my first idea was horrible. I sat down and tried to read my most popular blog posts into. Oh a yeah, that was, I I I follow a podcast that's like that. Yep. It's this like w- woman who who helps small businesses, and she's just reading her like Google slide presentations, yes. and it's just unbearable. Right, I did it for fifteen minutes. I laughed, erased the file, and thought I got to figure out a different way to do this. 
Yeah, yeah. I never put it and up. And podcasts also can be really samey. So like, you know, always the same format every week. So it's either just one person talking at you or just one person always interviewing someone else, but in exactly the same way with the same questions at the beginning, the same questions at the end. Right. Um, and most of that stuff I, I give up on in the end. I don't like that either. So it's just, again, it's my aesthetic. I, I wouldn't want to hear somebody say, like, if you said to me, if you said to me, hey, there's a new feature on the podcast, I'd stop listening to you. <laughs> <laughs> but that's how most people do it. Like we're going to like when like, oh, we're, I mean, we're going to do a new feature about how people eat. I was like, and I was like, I would never say it that way, but yeah. I just get, you know, I, I might have like five or six episodes about how people eat. I just get people who are very much into how they eat. And I just stay a little more in that lane when I'm talking to them. But even if you listen to those, they're not strictly about eating. They're just, I mean, could you, I can't imagine listening to an hour of, about one idea. Yeah, it just, exactly. It, if, uh, the, the amazing thing is, though, is that, like, you know, with the variety that you talk about on the podcast, isn't it incredible that you see on, on the Facebook group and stuff people whose kids have just been diagnosed, like, the week before, and they've already found the podcast and they've already found the Facebook group and they're just, like, absorbing all this incredible amount of information. Yeah. Um Oh, I think that's amazing. That's, that's where I'd feel most proud, I think. I, that I, that yeah. you are, you know, because that first stage, I just look back on it as absolute hell. I mean, it was hell and just like I was falling down a big hole and I didn't know how to call my way back up. Mm-hmm. And if you've got this incredibly supportive, kind community there with you right from day one, what what a massive achievement to have to have created that. Well, I am I am very proud that of of the fact that I think that people don't have as much of a lead time up to finding information as they used to, that people don't have to struggle for years before they figure something out. That's right. Like some of the stories I love are like, I started listening to the podcast in the hospital and my son's A1C has never Incredible. been over six, like stuff like yeah. that. That, that stuff is I, really cool. I, I haven't listened to all of the episodes, but I think one thing that would be good to hear more of, and you've done a bit of it, is more the kind of psychological side, like the, the feelings and the and – the, because I, maybe you have done a, a podcast on this, but I remember being told that when he f- asked the first got diagnosed, we were basically going through like the stages of grief, mm-hmm. you know, and you – and you and you have to take it like that, you know, and it was so like that. It was like whatever the stages are, you know, anger and acceptance and, and all of that. And that's something I'd like to hear more about, maybe from the experts, you know, about how to kind of manage that and, and how to to help you know, your your child manage it. Because, we're, for instance, I'm very much accepting of it now, but I'd say Oscar is still going through a lot of the kind of acceptance stage, you know, and I don't really know how to help him or how to support him through all of that. Yeah. You're looking for, I can't, I can't think of the episode. It's been up either at the very end of 2020 with a therapist. Uh, and her name is, oh gosh, I'm so embarrassed. That's right. I, I, I forget names all the time, but Um, I'll write it down if you can remember. Well, the funny, her name's Erica. She's been on twice Mm. so far. She'll be on again. And I have been thinking about that, but the truth is, like a, like a Jenny, but for the feeling side. This is how I feel. <laughs> this is how I feel about Erica. But it took me a long time to find Erica. So if, yeah. you, if you had actually listened through the entire podcast and you were focused on this idea, you'd mm. be able to say, "Oh, he's tried to do this two or three times and couldn't find the right person." And I finally mm. found Erica, and she's terrific. 
So even like a kind of pro tips type thing, you know, like what to do if they're in having burnout, what to do, you know, because I, I, like I say, I do think that the, the psychological side is just as profound and and, and important as Mm -hmm. the, just the physical management of all of it. Well, yeah, you're right. And I am working towards that at the same time, you have to blend things together a little bit, because Mm -hmm. if you want some secret backroom stuff, if you just put out an episode about one specific thing, you mm. run the risk of people looking at it and going, well, I don't have burnout, so I won't listen to that. Yeah. So then they don't get the information in there that they probably need or will need at some point in the future. And there are some topics, and, and there are some topics that I feel as, so strongly about that I put them up knowing not as many people are going to listen to them as if I would have put something else up at that same time. And very recently, just at the beginning of this week, I did an after dark uh, with somebody who'd been sexually assaulted and had PS, uh, PTSD from it. Mm, and yeah. when I put that up, I know there are going to be a certain segment of people who are going to be like, I do not want to hear about somebody's sexual assault. And yeah, but so, then they just then just don't listen to it. Right. As long as you make it clear, you know, that's what it's going to be about. hundred you know? percent. But what I'm saying is, is if it's a diabetes related thing that I know you need to know, but you don't know you need to know, I have to find a way to, I got to find a way to like mix the peaches in with the, the green beans, you know what I mean? But like when you're feeding a baby, totally. <laughs> and yeah, you're totally. sort of like, here, this, <laughs> let me just make this just palatable enough that you'll get the this broccoli thing. and mango puree. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I, sometimes there are some topics I'd use that way because people will skip them if they don't think they need them. That's why when you hear me talk about the pro tip episodes, I'm like, listen to them all the way through. Don't just skip the one about MDI because you're on a pump. Like you mm. need that, that information too. But how do you really talk people into believing that? And just like that, I can tell you that of all the pro tip episodes, the one about MDI has fewer downloads than the rest of them. So what's the what's the episode that has the most downloads? <sighs> the most? I got to go after this too, by the way. I'm, I'm getting up on my time here. Let me see if I can find out for it's you. It's a good stat. Yeah. The one that's been downloaded the most. I'm going to look for you. But I am not going to tell you which one it was, just so you know. Or, 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 or how many. Okay. Um, because I don't want other people with podcasts to cry. What do you think of that? (laughs) (laughs) A competition. (laughs) Yeah, I don't want them to be. The Dexcom guy is not going to be happy when it's the Omnipod guy. Or it is the the um the launch episode of the Pro Tip series. Number two. Oh, really? Oh, because so many people have gone back and listened to the first one. Probably number two ten, and then actually the top five episodes, six episodes. One, two, three, four, five. The top five are, are pro tips. Newly diagnosed or starting over, setting basal insulin, all about insulin, insulin pumping, and mastering your CGM. The sixth most popular one is about looping. And then the next one, two, three, yeah, I would have thought four. That. Wow. Then the next, yeah, the next four or five are, are management stuff. Now, here's something super interesting. Then the next ones are after dark episodes. Um, that become wow. that become more and more interesting uh, as things, and then it just it turns into conversations. But the interesting thing about you talked so much recently about how much you like the um the Facebook group. The Facebook group is built on people who are super management focused. That's who's talking, and then I think there are people who lurk, but there are also people. There are far more people listening to the podcast who don't care as much about the management stuff. So if I were to go, like if I could somehow poll everybody that's listening right now and said, 
you know, would you rather hear an episode about management or a conversation with somebody? Overwhelmingly taking into account all the people listening, a conversation just with a person would be what they'd want. But if you go in that Facebook page, because I did it to amuse myself the other day, I said, hey, you're going to get a new episode tonight. Do you want a management episode or a conversation episode? Like four to one, they wanted management. That's such good research for you, isn't it? To to be able to go in and and ask that kind of thing. Yeah, Um, but but those people all think that their desires are the overwhelming desire of the people listening, but it's not true. Mostly management's not the first thing people want, um, but the people who want it really, really want it. And what's happened to Jenny? Is she like now massively you know, oversubscribed, popular, you can't get an appointment with her because she's so fantastic. It's getting hard to get an appointment with Jenny, yes. Yeah, that's cool. <laughs> um, yeah, and, but with good reason, too. Because, again, Absolutely. she could have been a different person and it wouldn't have come off the same way. It, it, Jenny, who had no previous, like, like Jenny didn't talk in front of people like this ever in her life. Like, she'd never been on podcasts before. I just talked to her and I was like, man, I not only agree with this person, but I love how she talks about it. I love her like she's got an aesthetic that I really subscribe to. She's nothing like me. You wouldn't think, but if you listen to her and I talk about diabetes, we sound like the same person. Yeah. It's so. because she's, that, but that's always the best way, isn't it? People who are not like really self, like trying too hard and, and are just natural. That's what I mean. Like people just want authenticity. You know, they don't want anyone who's like trying too hard or, or trying to be something they're not. Yeah. Uh, if I send, if some, I see somebody say something nice about Jenny and I send it to her, I can feel her blushing through a text message. Sweet. Yeah, I can imagine that. You know, she's really, she's just very delightful. So Yeah, yeah. She's um, lovely. She's she's a good kind of role model because obviously she's going through it herself as well. And it seems that so many of the of the people who are doing the kind of diabetes educators and stuff are all, and the nurses, you know, they're often diabetics themselves, which just makes it so much more relatable. Well, you know what Jenny has that I really appreciate is that she does not abide bull for managing yeah. diabetes but she comes off like she would like she's yeah. she's she's so sweet that you don't even hear her basically telling you shut up and pre-ball us don't tell me you can't do that you know what i mean yeah. like don't sit around and mismanage your basal insulin for six weeks fix it like she's very direct but in a way that is that says it in a lovely way it just doesn't feel like that and it's funny because uh, one of my favorite guests that I, I i don't even know if people know is chris freeman he's a like a former olympic cross-country skier but he talks so specifically about diabetes he'll be like americans want a pill they don't want help and like they don't want they don't want to work at anything and like he's been talking like that for years and i always love talking to him because i really appreciate that perspective but it comes mm-hmm. off gruff from him and jenny's exactly. basically telling some you the people same thing. just get that you can get off you could the most random thing can be off-putting yeah. You know. And Chris is, I love, I, I've loved Chris every time he's on, been on the show. I think I've had him on three times and I don't ever have people back. And there's um, one guy who was, I think it was one of your medical expert guys who, I can't remember what it was. He kept saying the same word over and over again. It was really annoying <laughs> I'll to try and work out which one it is. But yeah, the most just random little detail can just make you switch off a little bit. Yep. There's a person who one time spoke so slowly that I spent, a day at <laughs> editing the gaps out of his conversation Be- yeah because i thought if i left it in like that people would turn it off in five seconds he just yeah, you've got to get it right oh it was terrible he just but it's nice the dynamic between you and jenny as well it's really cute i you just you just get on really well and so it's just nice to be involved in, in the conversation yeah i never thought i'd make like a real friend like through the podcast but i have 
So yeah, so sweet. Yeah. Have you ever met? You have met, haven't you? One time. We've met one time in person. I love it as well when you have kids on because I, I try I try and get Oscar to to listen to the podcast, but again, he's a bit like that's your thing, Mum. You know, you get all that. You learn the stuff and then and then tell me about it, kind of thing. Um, and it's so brave when you get these little kids who come on and they're so earnest and mm-hmm. you know and they're really articulate and they want to talk about everything. And I think, wow, that's impressive. You those know? are another example of those are more public service things. Not that I don't really love them because I do, but they are yeah. listened to about 10 or 15% less than other episodes. Some Mm. people don't want to hear kids talk, but I think they're fan. I think they're, I think that's a mistake for those people. It's an insight, whether you're an adult with type one, such an insight, right? Or so so valuable. Yeah. I have one coming out soon with three, three teenage girls who live together on an Island. (laughs) And they met at school and they all have type one. I think if I'm not mistaken, 13, 15 and 17, and they're such good friends. And, um, what kind of Island? You're going to make me remember where they live. <laughs> what? Like a random like, remote Island somewhere <laughs> down by Cuba somewhere. Hold on a second. Where do they live? Oh my God. How do I not remember this? I such a, and great they all place. decided to go and live together. No, they lived there uh, and they met each other. Um, Maybe it's Cayman Island. Yeah, it might be in the Cayman Islands. What's that must the place? Be so cool. Though, what's the place that's you... a tax shelter? Is it Cayman? Is it Grand, Grand Cayman? They live in Grand Cayman. <laughs> okay. Um, so they all go to school together, and they met each other, and they support each other. And they contacted me, like little, like this, like fifteen-year-old girl sent me an email, and she's like, "I want to come on the podcast with my two friends." That's and, so brave. Yeah, and it was. I must have talked to them for like. An hour and a half or more. I was having such a good time talking to them. They was it, such, were they like all, you know, interrupting each other and giggling? And no, stuff, they were they really just... great. And one of the girls was from somewhere else. They all came from somewhere else. Like one's from America, one's from Poland maybe, and one's from, I can't think of where else. And I teased the one girl. I said, is your dad a gun runner? And she's like, I don't think so. And I said, Honest, <laughs> I said honestly, if he was... Do you think he would tell you, or do you think he'd pretend to be a Spanish oh, teacher on Grand yeah, yeah, Honestly, the stuff you get away with. And she's like, she's like, I don't know. And I was like, I don't oh, know. I better go and find out. Yeah, because I think it's possible he's a gun runner. What do you think of that? And you know, have, like, have you ever had anyone who's just gotten really pissed off with you on a podcast and then just refused to carry on? Nobody's ever refused to carry on. I've had one person when it was over just say, "I did not enjoy that. Please delete it." And I got, and, oh, and no. I did. Um, and that person, in fairness to me had a big reveal that was tonally much different than the first half an hour. And it just got very, it got awkward. And it, what was the big reveal? I can't even tell you. That's oh it. no. Yeah, tell yeah. me afterwards. All right, I'll, t- I'll tell you what, let's say goodbye. And I'll tell you as soon as I push stop. Okay. Okay. All right. I really, Heather, seriously, thank you for doing this. I had a really good time chatting with you and I don't know what the hell we talked about. So that's usually I know. a good sign. That's the best kind though. Yeah, I think so. All right. Hold on one second. Hey, huge thanks to Heather for coming on the show. I'd also like to thank the Contour Next One blood glucose meter. Go to contournext.com forward slash juice box to learn more about the blood glucose meter that my daughter uses. And speaking of things that my family has done, TrialNet. TrialNet.org forward slash juice box. Absolutely free T1D risk screening. Do it right from your home if you like. 
trialnet.org forward slash juicebox. When they ask how you found out about Trialnet, tell them the Juicebox podcast. Thanks so much for listening. I'll be back soon with another episode of the Juicebox podcast.